This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Mariah Barber, founder of Invisible Strengths, to talk about accessibility in the workplace. Welcome to the podcast, Mariah. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Super excited to, to have a conversation here today. Awesome. Awesome. So on a recent episode of this podcast, another guest mentioned DEIA, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I have to admit that for me, that was the first time I heard it with the A added on, but I got really excited about it because I think that too often discussions about accessibility tend to focus primarily on rules, regulations, and risk mitigation. In other words, companies are focusing a lot more on not getting sued instead of seeing accessibility as a growth strategy in terms of talent attraction, talent retention, and talent development. And that's why I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today, Mariah, to share some ideas for how organizations can take a more proactive and purposeful approach to accessibility. So my first question for you is, what do you think HR teams stand to gain, and is there anything they might lose by integrating their accessibility strategies with their DEI strategies? Yeah, I love this question so much. Um, I think there is so much more for HR teams to gain than to lose, um, but I think that specifically, um, when we make things more accessible, more inclusive, we actually improve the environment for everyone, whether they're part of a group or not. So a great example that I like to use is elevators. Um, so elevators really are put into workspaces to support those of us who, you know, might be in a wheelchair or might um, just be a little bit impaired when it comes to walking up stairwells. But also other people use elevators that, you know, are not inhibited in those ways either. And it's supportive for them as well. Um, another example that I like to use is um, when there are subtitles on Zoom meetings, something that's simple to support uh, communities that may be differently abled and maybe um, hearing impaired or differently abled when it comes to hearing. Um, also seeing those subtitles can be helpful for other folks who may have a learning disability or may just benefit from being able to see the written out um, transcript of what's being said on the meeting. Um, so there's a lot of ways where when we build in the A into DEAI, <laughs> um, we're able to improve the space for everyone, just like when we share pronouns, for example, um, so that we don't stigmatize um, our trans colleagues. Um, it's also just an opportunity to hear what people like to be called and um, just normalize uh, adding in another layer of getting to know our, our coworkers and improving our workspace and really leading to the future of work. Uh, I want to get at the second part of the question, which was around if there's anything that HR departments stand to lose. Um, I think that um, we can't break it down into as simple of like a loss or, or gain, but I think we're just completely shifting our culture when it comes to working. Um, and so there are going to be a lot of adjustments and those can be sometimes viewed as a loss. There may be additional trainings, for example, um, of how to support neurodivergent folks like those with autism or the ADHD in the workplace. Um, some folks may need flexible work hours or 
multiple touch points when it comes to um, meetings with their supervisor. Um, but I think also it stands to allow us to improve our communication and really grow our skill sets because managers as well as HR departments are going to be able to build their capacity. Um, so in the initial, it does involve maybe pouring in some more time, resources, but in the end, there's also a lot more to gain um, and a lot more skills that everyone's going to walk away with. Absolutely. And I love those really tangible examples. You're kind of like, it, it gives you that aha moment. You're like, oh yeah, that, that, <laughs> that sounds great. Um, and so you mentioned, you know, changes to workways and, and adding um, subtitles on Zoom. So I wanted to ask you more about how the shift to remote and hybrid work changes the conversation about accessibility. Do we need to be thinking about different things? Do we need to be approaching things differently? So I think that the pandemic and specifically us working remotely um, really kind of showed folks how much um, there is an opportunity to make workplaces more accessible and there just has to be the will to want to do that. Um, so employers were really pushed up um, into a space where they had to completely shift the culture of their working environments overnight. Um, and where there was a will, there was a way. Um, many folks who are differently abled or fall in the accessibility category had been asking for accommodations in the form of remote work um, or having telework on days of their appointments that they had scheduled, for example, or folks had been asking for flexible work hours um, to meet their needs of whatever their condition might be. And they were told no for years and years. And then eventually we all had to shift um, because the majority of folks had to work from home. Um, and so I think it really gave us um, a peek into what the life of somebody that's differently abled might be like mm. and how simple some of these accommodations um, can be and how it really just involves changing our mindset and our framework and making some shifts, um, of course, to our traditional work environment to support those um, necessary changes. But I, I think everyone can agree that there were improvements that everyone benefited from in some ways from working from home. Of course, there were still some um, losses of maybe some of the connectivity in work, but we were able to think about innovative ways to still connect with folks, whether that was through Zoom, through Skype, um, through doing some uh, shared activities that didn't involve meeting in person. Um, but I think we're all just learning and growing together and stepping into that new age of the work environment. And though there are some employers that are trying to go back to in-person, um, as we see these new variants coming about, um, we're still needing to keep innovation at the forefront. Think about how we can have folks um, having laptops to work from home, on the headsets to work from home, if they need flexible work hours to support childcare, we're having to think through all those things and really work it out. Um, and the disability community is really benefiting from that. I mean, I think also able to kind of uh, see that there, there are ways to make these accommodations and more clearly understand things that they can ask for. Um, and there that one in four folks um, do have disabilities currently in the United States. And that number is just increasing as folks contract COVID and then have continued complications, um, or even as folks just age. Uh, because as we age, our cognition changes, um, our mobility changes. And so we're really just trying to create innovation for our future selves. <laughs> so I try to look at it uh, from that angle, but I do think that HR departments and executive leaderships are having to really think more creatively about how they can draw people into their work environments 
and offer um, accommodations such as remote work. Absolutely, totally agree. Um, so now I want to kind of move to more of a, a scary, dark topic, and that's the the Great Resignation. Um, you know, there's we just did a podcast about the anti-work movement, which I think pulls into this. Um, you know, folks are are not putting up with subpar work environments anymore. So where does accessibility come into play here? How does this, you know, our current moment with the great resignation and the hot market for talent change the conversation about accessibility? I think slowly um, the power is shifting back to the people and away from, from corporations. And I think that what's important in that space is it's not an us first them, but how can we come together? Um, to really create some more solutions to some of the pain points that have been highlighted through the Great Resignation. Um, so a lot of people are resigning because they feel that maybe there wasn't transparency with their pay, they're feeling undervalued, or they're feeling that their accommodations and their needs aren't being met by their current employer, to the point where they're willing to go back on the job market and take a risk. Um, so I really think it's an opportunity for us to hold up a mirror to what work has looked like. And it would be advantageous for employers to pull people into their candidate pool and retain folks by thinking about how they can provide more accommodations, thinking about how they can make more equitable work environments for those who are differently able. And it can be as simple as making sure that pay is scaled equitably, um, making sure that if there are um, needs for folks to work remotely, um, that's a conversation that can be had and can be approached. If there is a need to maybe structure some of the roles and responsibilities, is there an opportunity for that? Um, even doing more capacity building and training, maybe reaching out to specific consultants that can speak to accessibility and how they can embed that more into their strategic planning um, for years to come. But there can be like very minute and small changes that can be made um, with each work hiring manager, each um, team that can make a world of difference. Even if it's something as simple as adding those subtitles, asking if folks do need translators, um, maybe even not putting the onus on the employee to have to come forward with sharing what their private you know, information is, but maybe just building in the inclusivity from the beginning. Just letting folks know if you need a mental health day, that's something that you can you can take monthly. Um, if you are looking for a flexible work hour on particular days, just let me know. Um, it can be very stigmatizing to come forward and have to say, I have anxiety and our meetings interfere with my um, you know, therapist appointment. Um, not everyone's gonna feel comfortable doing that. And so sometimes it can be easy to, for employers to maybe put the onus on themselves mm -hmm. and to open up the door a little bit more, look to your left and right, see what some of your competitors are doing. Um, and also sometimes bring in a consultant or someone to advise mm. on how you can create more inclusivity. But the market is, is definitely primed for people to leave and find places that affirm and support their identities. Um, so I think it's important for um, workplaces to not put the uh, responsibility on the employee, but instead look at themselves and how they can innovate, change, and really create a more inclusive culture overall. Absolutely. So I kind of wanted to ask you about, you know, anything that you've seen organizations do in terms of their accessibility strategies and, and their messaging as well, that isn't working. Maybe it's well-intentioned and it's not landing right, 
or they, you know, anything like that that you can help our listeners with as far as common mistakes to avoid? I appreciate this question. (laughs) And I uh, immediately what came to my mind is um, that I think there is a neglect of some subsets within the disability or differently able community that often don't get highlighted. Um, And so wanted to just share like one to three examples. So one, oftentimes when workforces um, have been talking about accessibility, they'll have a stock image photo of someone who's in a wheelchair um, with standing next to other types of folks. I, I see a smile. So I know I've definitely can, seen that. Oh, that is, yeah, that is the stock um, photo. <laughs> and that, while that is very important and that is very much a struggle within the accessibility community, there are also so many vast different disabilities that are non-visible. Um, and those are important to be highlighted because they're often overlooked. And so some of these um, non-visible disabilities could be um, postpartum depression, could be dyslexia, um, could be ADHD, or even um, folks that may have autism or be on the spectrum. Um, so really being able to showcase that more and making sure that when you are doing a campaign around accessibility, you're not immediately just focused on the physical disabilities that you can, you can see right away. Um, I do think that there's an importance in highlighting um, that community as well, but there's also a lot of folks who have these invisible disabilities Mm -hmm. that do not have campaigns that support or acknowledge their existence in the workforce. And the reality is folks are dealing with these things silently in our workforce um, because they don't feel comfortable to come forward and let us know that these things are going on. And um, whether it's diabetes, a heart condition, or something dealing with mental health, Um, These are things that affect so much of our population. We can no longer ignore it. Um, Another second point that I wanted to make is that oftentimes, if you look at the studies around um, accessibility and differently abled or disability community, if you are also a part of other marginalized groups, you are less likely to receive services and less likely to really be aware of the accommodations that you can even ask for on the job. And so when you're someone who's also in the LGBTQ community or someone who's also in BIPOC, the black indigenous or people of color community, and you also are experiencing having a disability or being differently abled or having a chronic condition, you are less likely to have access to resources, to um, be employed. Um, And if you are employed, you're usually underemployed or undervalued. Um, So when you're dealing with multiple systems of oppression, it can be more difficult or stigmatizing to come forward and feel comfortable asking for what you need um, to really help you thrive on the job. So that's really what we're focused on um, within my organization, those subsets of the population. But I think more of their stories are being uplifted, even in popular culture. Uh, But we're all learning together. And um, I think people have to feel comfortable just asking questions when needed. Um, and really starting from just a conversation, but then learning how to put that into actionable steps and shifting our culture in the workforce. Absolutely. And I love how that is all kind of tying back to the earlier discussion of DE&I and even, you know, the remote hybrid environment. I think, you know, we're all kind of a little invisible to one another in that. And I think, you know, understanding that these less visible disabilities are are out there and just as important to consider as our, you know, more physical um, go-to stock images of what disability looks like. 
Exactly. And the intersectionality that exists within all our communities, including the disability and differently able communities. Absolutely. So I wanted to close out by asking you to tell us a little bit more about your organization, Invisible Strengths. And I know that you are building an app, which is really cool. So uh, let us know about that. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity um, just to share on this platform um, about Invisible Strengths. So we are a mobile application um, and really a job recruitment tool. Um, so we match folks um, that need accommodations with workplaces that can provide them with said accommodations. And we're specifically building this app to be inclusive for folks that are intersectional within the disability population. And we define that as folks who are BIPOC or LGBTQIA, maybe both, and also have a chronic condition or disability. Um, and we really um, strive ourselves on focusing on the accommodation um, at the front of the hiring process, which is kind of flipping it on its head. Because typically you'd get a job and then you would ask for accommodations. In our structure, we list the accommodations that the work site is able to provide. You can select the ones that you need, such as telework or flexible work hours, and then um, also upload your resume and apply for that job. And then we're able to source um, organizations with their top few candidates for them to facilitate the rest of the hiring process. Um, but we're really excited. Uh, we've, we've been around since January 2021, so still a, a really young organization, um, but we're bringing in all of our past experiences. And this is specifically starting out for the field of public health and healthcare. Um, so we're really excited. We chose that field because I, um, as the founder, have worked in public health for the last 11 years. And um, I also have invisible disabilities and I identify as a queer non-binary black woman. So I'm in the middle of a lot of Venn diagrams. I have often um, done a lot of consulting around doing diversity, um, accessibility and inclusion trainings for public health work sites. And one of the main findings I was looking at through that process was that people didn't have access to a diverse candidate pool to put their jobs in front of. Um, and so we're really offering an opportunity for a more effective way to source really diverse and qualified candidates. Absolutely. I think that is awesome. Um, so for our employers who are listening, what are some things that, you know, you would like to see them do if they want to, if they want to get on your platform? Yeah. So with our intake process, um, we really ask about like your strategic plan and commitment to diversity, equity, um, inclusion and accessibility. And we really just want to hear about, you know, why you're looking for the platform. We want to make sure that we're sourcing our job seekers into safe and supportive environments. So we want to hear about what type of trainings you've done, how you've built capacity. And if you do need further supports, um, we also want to build into the app an opportunity for you to hire consultants to come in and speak about specific conditions, like maybe you want someone to come in and speak about neurodivergence in your workplace and how to support those kinds mm -hmm. of folks. Um, so really just helping to build capacity all the way around, whether you're ready to post a job, you need our support with drafting a job posting, um, or maybe you want to take a step back and just learn a little bit more um, about how to promote accessibility. And a big push I would love to see within employers is um, working within public health. I think there's more emphasis now in today's society to have folks working um, in the company with, that re represent the populations and communities that we're serving. 
So what I mean by that is um, I started my journey in public health working in HIV. So really just making sure that if there's an HIV program, that there are also people on staff that um, are also are HIV positive and can bring that nuance and that perspective. Mm -hmm. If you're serving um, LGBTQ populations um, that are underserved and experiencing homelessness, do there, you have people on staff that also have experienced um, being an LGBTQIA person and maybe even unstably housed in the past. Um, and it really just enriches your work environment because mm. you're further able to connect, create more sustainable programs. And um, it just benefits both sides, um, not only the consumer, but also the product provider, or in this case, the public health organization. So I wanna see more of that, uh, more of the lived experience within qualified staff as well. And I think that's something unique that we're trying to bring to the market. Absolutely. That is so cool. So if people want to learn more about Invisible Strengths, they can go to InvisibleStrengths.com. Yes. And um, our email is also InvisibleStrengths app. So A-P-P um, at gmail.com, uh, as well as you can follow us on Instagram at InvisibleStrengths app. Um, and uh, we're currently running a fundraiser through GoFundMe um, to support just building out uh, some more of our graphic design and some of our full stack development from prototype to beta. Um, and you can find that by just searching Invisible Strengths app uh, on GoFundMe. And we'll also leave the, the link to it in the show notes. But I really appreciate the conversation today. Um, I enjoyed the, the thorough questions and I can't wait to hear back from listeners um, as they add into the conversation as well. Absolutely. Um, such an important topic. And I think, you know, an exciting one. And so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Mariah. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. <laughs> well, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. Please visit apqc.org to learn more about our research. And Mariah and I both hope you have a great rest of your day. Hehehe. <laughs>